Good evening, everyone, and welcome again to Full Circle, your cultural affairs radio magazine produced by members and graduates of the First Voice Apprenticeship Program, broadcasting from right here at KPFA in Huchin, occupied Ohlone Territory, also known to settlers as Berkeley, California. Tonight, we'll be checking in on the Youth Development Press Conference that was held out here in Antioch and what we can do to help curb gun violence. On tonight's show, we'll speak with Marie Arce, the newly elected chair of the Antioch Parks and Rec Commission, and learn about some of her plans for youth programs in Antioch. And later, we'll be joined by Antioch City Council District 1 Representative Tamisha Torres-Walker and learn about her plan to help curb gun violence in the city of Antioch. That's tonight on Full Circle. I am your host, Freewell and Franklin, coming to you from downtown Antioch. This is Bay Miwok territory. Keep it locked right here to KPFA. All right, again, welcome to Full Circle, the weekly show produced by apprentices and graduates of the First Voice Apprenticeship Program. My name is Freewell and Franklin, and I am your host tonight, and I am also a graduate of this program. Tonight, we're going back to Antioch, California, and check out some sound from a recent press conference held by Antioch Mayor Lamar Thorpe, District 1, Representative City Councilwoman Tamisha Torres-Walker, Marie Arce of Parks and Rec Commission, and Moms Demand Action, along with other community representatives. They all came together to talk about the issue of gun violence and youth programs and their plans to intervene early in youth lives. According to Moms Demand Action, firearms are the leading cause of death for American children and teens. More than 1,800 children and teens die by gun homicide each year in the United States. Children and teens in the U.S. are 15 times more likely to die from gunfire than their peers in 31 other high-income countries combined. Here in Antioch, we have had a recent uptick in gun violence, including a 12-year-old girl who was shot and killed in her bedroom in May, a young woman shot and killed in her front yard also in May, and a 16-year-old boy who was shot and killed in April. What can we do as a city and as a community to prevent this? Well, recently there was a press conference held at the Antioch Community Center on Lone Tree Way. Many people spoke, including Marie Arce, who was the Antioch Parks and Rec Commission Chair. She spoke about youth programs and how important it is to intervene and provide activities to our young people at an early age. Here is sounds from the Youth Development Press Conference that was held May 6th. And after that press conference, you'll hear my interview with Antioch Parks and Rec Commission Chair Marie Arce. Check it out. My name is Marie Arce, and I am the Parks and Recreation Commission Chair and a part of the Mayor's Transition Team 
as the Youth Services and Recreation Advisory Committee Chair. Our Youth Services Advisory Committee has worked to put together programming recommendations that you will learn a little bit more about later, but right now what I'd like to chat about is access. Do the families enrolled in AUSD schools have equitable access to our recreation programming? According to the 2020-21 AUSD Income Eligibility Guidelines for the Free and Reduced Price Meal Program, a household of four cannot make more than $655 per week to qualify for the free meal program and no more than $933 to qualify for the reduced price meal program. In the 1920 enrollment year, we had 61% of our AUSD families qualifying for the free meal program and over 70% of our families qualifying for the reduced price meal program in the same year. This is an overall percentage of AUSD, and we had several schools qualify at a higher percentage of over 80%. With this knowledge, we created a mock enrollment enrolling two adults and two children in the recreation programs to assess the feasibility for our Antioch families. We found that the enrollment fee would consume 42% of the weekly income for those that qualified for the free meal program and 30% of the weekly income for the free or reduced price meal program. We are taking steps to ensure that our AUSD families not only have programming that they're excited to participate in, but they actually have access to without creating a financial hardship for their families. The parks and recreation rate structure for AUSD students that qualify for free or reduced price meal program is a leap in the right direction. I'm really excited to share uh, with you some of the programs that our Youth Services and Recreation Advisory Committee is going to be proposing to the City Council for their consideration on May 25th. When creating our youth programming recommendations, we wanted to ensure that the following principles were considered. That our programs should engage youth as partners and leaders in our community. Build community engagement. Provide equitable, sustainable, and inclusive programming for our youth. Create opportunities to combat food inequality. And lean on our community-based organizations that we have here already in our community. I'm excited to share some of these programs that I'm taking to the count that we are taking to the council for consideration. And the first is food access for youth and families through a farmer's market. When considering our goals to create opportunities to combat food inequality in our community while engaging and educating the young people in our community, we looked around throughout our community and we analyzed where we have the most inequitable access to fresh fruits and vegetables. We recognize that the downtown area has limited options for residents to have access to fresh fruits and vegetables. In an effort to provide equitable access to fresh fruits and vegetables and create opportunity for our youth, we are recommending to create a youth-based farmer's market that empowers our youth to learn directly from the farmers about sustainable farming and preparing fresh fruits and uh, meals. During our youth focus group, this was actually one of their favorite programs and one of the areas of interest to learn about sustainable farming. One of our other exciting programs is our Youth Job Readiness Program for Transitional Foster Youth through Family Harvest Farm. Family Harvest Farm is a part of the John Muir Land Trust in Pittsburgh, and it employs transition age foster youth and a hands-on job readiness program. It teaches them marketable skills and prepares them for life outside of the foster care system. 
One of my favorite aspects about this farm is that it actually reduces uh, carbon emissions and increases biodiversity. This program has several possibilities that the, the community can, can explore. From connecting our own Antioch transition age foster youth to this program, we can add some after school and summer programs, create standalone youth education workshops, and possibly create Antioch's own family harvest farm. With Antioch having the largest population of foster youth in all of East County, this program makes sense. It acknowledges, supports, and creates opportunity for our foster youth here in Antioch. Our next program is to create an inclusive environment for communities, for community members of all abilities. Contra Costa County has 10% of its members disabled and 22,000 adults and children in the East Bay have a level of developmental disability according to the Regional Center for the East Bay. While there are many day programs that are available in our community for children and adults, there's a lack of space, accessibility, and parental knowledge. Many day programs spend their time in our parks because it is free and there is no reliable access to consistent spaces or adaptive programs. In extreme weather months, this is a health threat. When engaging with members of our organizations in our community, with our special needs community, we're advised that there are limited options for engagement with our recreation department and no access to these kinds of programming. We're proposing that our recreation department provide consistent drop-in space for day programs, create adaptive programming to ensure that our All Abilities community has access to recreation programming. We'd like to partner with Be Exceptional to expand their special needs community dance capacity and include wraparound services for families during these events. Additionally, we'd like to hold an annual All Abilities Day at the Pruitt Family Water Park with discounted rates for adults and children with special needs. These programs will create an opportunity for our families to create uh, a level of community within their own communities. Lastly is our after school, summer programming, and just the general needs that our youth communicated during our focus group. We looked at what we have to offer for the youth in terms of school programming in our community and with our city. And we do have options, but what we wanted to know was what the youth wanted. Please keep in mind that the youth focus group does not represent the entire youth of Antioch, and we are recommending that we do a full-scale survey um, of our Antioch youth so that all of our Antioch youth is heard. These programs and goals were developed with the committee and the youth focus group. And some of the goals are a music uh, development program, workshop, a progressive coding course, a basketball mentorship program. They'd like to establish a community garden. The youth would like volunteer service project opportunities. They'd like a dedicated space for them to feel welcome and safe. And, and this confirms the 2019 City Council um, study that they found um, where they also did want to have a level of their own space to call their own. Opportunities to connect with employers, possibly through a career expo, where they learn life skills and job readiness courses, which uh, Mayor Thorpe um, advised earlier uh, that he and Tasha Johnson, as well as Brad Helfenberger, are already working on. Lastly, the youth would like to see their trails and our uh, traffic safety are improved so that they can safely travel to school and hopefully these amazing programs that we're proposing to City Council. 
All right, Freewell and Franklin here, and I am now joined by Marie Arce herself, whose voice you just heard in that press conference just now. And Marie is the Antioch Parks and Rec Chair and helped work on all these programs she was talking about through the Mayor's Youth Programs Transition Committee. Uh, welcome to Full Circle, Marie. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. Yeah, it was really exciting to be at your press conference and hear all this exciting news. So I'm glad you made it today. Yeah, thank you. Me too. It was it was nice to meet with uh, meet with the community and have a lot of really positive information to share with the community. Yeah, you definitely did. And before we get into the ideas that you just talked about in your press conference, tell our listeners about your connections to Antioch. Like, how long you've lived here? Did you go to school here? And then, how does it feel to be the chair of the Antioch's Park and Rec? commission? Yeah, so I actually grew up in Antioch. Um, I moved here when I was three, so it's really the only home that I've that I've known. Um, I did go to school here. I am a proud Antioch Panther alum, and I played softball um, coming up through our youth programs um, as a child. I also currently coach my daughter's softball team as well. Um, so I've, I've pretty much been ingrained in our community and um, in youth programs, so it's it's a pretty uh, easy fit just slipping right into developing some type of programs that'll benefit our youth. Being the Parks and Rec Chair has actually been really, really exciting. In 2018, I applied for the Parks and Rec um, just to be a commissioner after my five-year-old daughter actually had passed away. Um, she passed away of cancer in September of 2018. And Part of my reason, actually my entire reason for joining um, the Parks Commission was to really honor her and do something for our community, but at the same time preserving the things that we loved to do. Because, you know, kids with um, immunocompromised situations, they cannot go into, you know, Chuck E. Cheese and whatnot. Um, so we use, we utilized our parks. And so that's just a real great space for, for me to reflect and to want to preserve for, you know, my own sake, but also for, for the other youth in, in our community. So it's, it's, it's very much personal what I'm doing um, with our mayor and with our city council and with the city staff. I'm so sorry about your daughter, but it looks like you're actually doing some great work in her name and really moving this forward. So I'm excited for that. Yeah, thank you. Well, Me too. Well, let's talk about in your press conference because you talked about um, the cost of programs and participation in a lot of these activities. Um, this can be a considerable cost to families and basically puts it out of reach for a majority of Antioch's young people. So talk about how you're going to handle the cost of programs and participation and how you'll ensure equitable access that you spoke of to the youth of Antioch? Yeah, well, when, when we established our committee, we, we really looked at ways to create programs that are inclusive, that are sustainable and, and engaging to our youth. We don't want to create programs that um, we think as adults are amazing and our youth don't want to engage in, or even worse, programs that our kids really want to engage in, but they it's out of reach either because of location, uh, transportation, or affordability. And so what we did was really looked at, you know, our AUSD families and said, okay, what can our AUSD families afford? So then we looked at the free and reduced lunch program, and what we found was that 61% of our AUSD families, they're eligible for the free meal program. 
And then we went further and looked and seen that actually 70% of the AUSD families are on the reduced meal program. And some, some of the elementary schools and the middle schools actually top out at 70 to 80%. So we really had to look at our fee structure and say, you know, what are we, what are we asking our AUSD families to pay? And is it in line with the affordability? Is it going to be a burden on their family and a sacrifice for them to put their children in these programs? And what we found was that, you know, the the rates that we have now would be 42% of those families' weekly income. And I don't know about you, but I don't want to go, <laughs> I can't go 42% of my weekly income. So we really have to look at what we're doing and then tailor our programs to make sure that they're attainable, not just through access of fees, but through location as well, that whatever we're doing in terms of our programs, that we're, we're making it accessible to our families in the southern part of Antioch, in the northern part of Antioch, in the eastern and in the western, so that we're not just you know centering programs um, at the water park, that we're making sure that we're offering programs in downtown and that there's transportation. So there's all these barriers that we have to consider and not just say that they exist, but say, okay, here are some solutions. And that's really what our committee has done. That's great. And let's talk about some of the programs that we heard about in the press conference and that you're speaking on now. Um, something you spoke about was uh, the youth-based farmers markets. And talk about first the importance of just um, eating healthy and why is it important for our kids in our school that they are learning about healthy food choices and actually eating healthy food. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, in terms of eating healthy, I mean, if if you don't have a well-balanced diet, you get moody, you're at risk for all kinds of health problems um, that I think many people are well aware of. But it's also, it's not just eating the foods, but it's having access to those foods and knowing I mean, honestly, I am a little ashamed to say I did not know what an eggplant was until I was like, I think I was 23. (laughs) (laughs) So I was not as, you know, myself exposed to those, you know, fruits and vegetables when I was younger. Um, And so not just saying eat better, eat healthier, but saying here's an avenue to that are that is exciting and engaging. And here are here are some options for healthy eating, but here's how you cook it. Here's why we cook it this way. Here's how you farm this type of food. And when we, which I'm, we're going to talk about later, um, when we took a poll with our youth, when we did a focus group, one of the things they were the most excited about was the sustainable farming. And so I'm very excited about the youth's interest in um, this part of um, healthy eating. And who are we to not provide them um, what they're asking for? Yeah, well, you just talked about it. The, um, the farm, the sustainable farming programs, it seemed that the idea of sustainable farming was very interesting to the kids. Tell us about the program you've been working on and your partnership with Family Harvest Farms. And Family Harvest program is generally geared towards our foster kids. Um, will this be exclusively for Antioch's foster youth or will this be open for all kids? Yeah. So I reached out to Family Harvest Farm um, not too long ago. I actually read an article about what they were doing, and it was so much in line with what I really envisioned as one of our programs. And so they are a part of the John Muir Land Trust, and they're located in Pittsburgh um, off of Power Avenue. And what they do is they employ our transition age foster youth, and they teach them um, hands-on job skills. So really helping them in that age where normally, you know, you're 18 years old, you would drop out of the system. And they really, you know, take them in and provide them skills and give them not only skills, but that exposure to healthy food and farming. 
Um, so when I when I reached out to them, we had talked about all kinds of potential partnerships. And um, I'm really excited to say that in mid-June, we will actually be doing our first pilot workshop. Um, we'll be bringing some of our Antioch youth down and uh, we'll give them a tour, teach them about mulching and farming and really just get them excited about the program. And that'll just be our like a, a little tidbit of a pilot and then see how we can expand it from there. We really don't just envision this as um, for transition age foster youth only, but really all, all youth in Antioch. And so there is a potential to expand and have our own garden in Antioch. There's really, you know, it's pretty endless in what we could do. But with this pilot, it will give us, a, you know, just a little taste of what we can do and then be able to build upon that foundation as well. Yeah, and you just mentioned it again that the possibility of creating Antioch's own harvest farm. Um, what are the ideas about that and the possibilities you are considering? Would that be like the city purchasing a vacant lot around town or would you be looking for like a large parcel of land on the edge of the city or maybe in another city like Pittsburgh or Oakley? Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, these are really just conceptual at this point. So I think once we, you know, once we look at our relationship with Harvest Family Farm and what we can do, um, you know, we like I mentioned earlier, we can do those workshops. We can incorporate it into our uh, summer program and after school program. And once we start doing that and we see the demand, then I think our council and our recreation department can really look at and do like an assessment of what is needed and then look at those further steps that you just mentioned in terms of land and acquisition of parcels and would that be like an ultimate goal just to have like a little parcel of land that you can actually get the hand oh dirty? yeah yeah well and I get excited too because I, I went when the first time I went there I'm like you know what even if we don't do this can I just volunteer I just want to get my hands in some dirt <laughs> I love gardening definitely yeah especially when you um, with somebody that really knows what they're doing it guides you through yeah, it you know yeah well and but the way that they were explaining what they were doing was that they're not just farming but they're doing it with intention so they're they're looking at the carbon emissions so they like they were explaining to me how they hand i don't know was it hand till or you know where they flip over the dirt um but they do it with purpose so that they're reducing their carbon emissions and looking at the biodiversity so although it is you know you, you kind of check a lot of boxes so you're being exposed to healthy foods you're also getting a job skill and you're also learning um, about the farming process in general. So I, there, I don't really see a drawback to it. That's, this is one of my most excited, like I'm really excited about this program. Yeah. This is kind of what really got me interested and got my ears perked up to get you here yeah. tonight. So yeah. I'm really <laughs> looking forward to that too. And another big part of the press conference was creating access for our community members with different abilities. And you mentioned that there are a lot of programs out here that takes care of some of our disabled folks, but there's not really a lot for them to actually do. And in many cases, they may just go to one of our parks around town and hang out because it's free. But as you know, out here in Antioch, it can't get to yeah. like 105 degrees outside, yeah. or it might rain if we're lucky, <laughs> and the park may not always be an option. Talk about some of the things you'll be proposing that our folks with different abilities will be able to do. And one thing I know you mentioned was a Pruitt Water Park Day. So mm -hmm. talk about some of your options and then the Pruitt Water Park. Yeah. Yeah. So the, the idea really stemmed back from, I think last year I was approached by a friend of mine. Um, I hadn't talked to her in a while and she was asking me like, you know, can we get some programs for, you know, our youth and adults, you know, with disabilities and what do you offer? And so I did a little, little bit of research in my parks and recreation hat and found that we really don't have much 
available. And so when um, Mayor Thorpe had asked me to do this, to be a part of this transition committee, I knew that this was one of the charges that I wanted to take on because it really is a part of our community that we're just kind of missing. And so with, as you mentioned, with the extreme weather conditions in our parks, it's really difficult to know that our you know disabled folks in our community are having to stay outside rather than feeling welcome and coming into um, available spaces. So what we're talking about doing is having is a couple of things. So we want to have adaptive programming so that if there is a cooking class for um, my son or daughter, that there's also a cooking class for somebody else's son or daughter that has disabilities and it's tailored to their needs. So they don't just have to fit within that box of that cooking class, but they feel like they are comfortable and able to do something that is um, not a challenge to them, but that is fun. The water park that we talked about doing is having a, a day where we just celebrate the um, All Abilities community, and it can you can be a kid or you can be an adult, and you come to the water park and they have wraparound services. So um, when my daughter was in cancer treatment, there was all these different great resources and that community that you found when you connect with other families that are going through something that you're going through as well. So with the disabled community, it really is a community within a community, a struggle that really only those families know. So having those resources around you to um, to be supportive and then having that, that community engagement and then feeling like you're celebrated and acknowledged. Um, so that is the day that we're talking about having at the water park, among other possibilities. Um, we were talking about partnering with Be Exceptional. They are um, a nonprofit that puts on a prom for um, youth with disabilities. And so really just supporting them and seeing how we can expand it. And again, wrap around services, maybe have something for the parents, you know, let the kids go and dance and have a good time and celebrate the parents, give them a little swag bag, let them know that they're appreciated and really just kind of open our arms as the recreation department and, and um, welcome everybody into our community. Definitely. So exciting. This is great. And that's the voice of Marie Arce, the new Antioch's Park and Recreation Chair. And Marie, you also held some youth focus groups that you talked about during the press conference that took a look at some of the things the kids might want. As you mentioned earlier, it's not just your great ideas, but you want to hear from the kids. And some of the things that came out of the focus groups were music and recording workshops, possible coding classes, a basketball mentorship, the community garden. This is all excited to me. It's all needed, but it's, it's also very ambitious. Tell us about some of the plans you have to be able to put these programs into action. And if we want to keep them free and accessible, where's the funding going to come from? And how do you intend on like making all this great? <laughs> how do you put all the puzzles, uh, the yeah, pieces yeah. together? It's so well, exciting. Yeah, how do you do it all? I'm an ambitious person. Yeah. Uh, um, so in terms of the funding, all the funding is coming from the general fund. We do have um, some Measure W funds. I think a little over a million dollars that is already set aside for these type of programs. Also, we can really lean on our uh, community-based organizations. There are a lot of really great individuals in our community that want to, that are ready to kind of step up for this type of moment right now where their programs and their expertise can really be utilized. And with that, I think, you know, there'll be possibly, you know, some contracts that we can work out as a city. But then, you know, as we went through this process, 
we we didn't just say, hey, here are some ideas and let's see if it sticks on the wall. We, we worked very closely with Tasha Johnson, the youth network manager, to really do a gut check on our feasibility to make sure that what we're saying is actually possible and not just <laughs> having great ideas. Um, and a lot of the things that we that we're talking about in our um, and have recommended, they're already going through. So they're already um, happening at the council level. Um, a lot of them went through um, this past month in May and will be coming to council this month um, as well. So we really have been making sure that things are possible and that the funding is there so that you know, as we're able to develop those summer programs, we could really just plug in the the things that we've been recommending because we, we've done a lot of that legwork. We haven't just said, hey, a garden would be cool. We look at, okay, how many youth do we have? You know, what's our obesity rate? You know, do we need it? So we, we, did do, we did do a check to make sure that there is a need and that it's not already been done. You know, we don't want to create something that a surrounding city has done. We can just say, hey, let's partner with you, kind of like what we did with the Harvest Family Farm. Um, so these are pretty comprehensive and well thought out programs that we're putting forth. All right. I'm excited. And the councils, uh, it sounds like they're all on board. So it's, it's really going forward here. Yeah. Yeah. Well, another thing that came out of the youth focus groups was job readiness and life skills. And I feel like this is something that was lacking for me when I came out of high school. And I think it's very exciting for the kids to be able to come out ready to know about like bills they're going to have to pay. Yeah. How do you build your credit or yeah. how, to, how to be ready to apply for a job? Those are things I didn't learn in high school. Um, talk about why these type of things are important. I just learned about those like five or six years ago. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> well, I think that there's, there are, there, we're complicated, right? So it, it's not just when you say you're an educated person or you're a smart person or you have a good head on your shoulders. It's not just book smart. So it's also being prepared for the real world. You know, we try to prepare our daughter, not just for, you know, not just to be a good student, but also to, to be a good person and to be able to take care of yourself um, as you leave the house. So with that is being able to have some type of financial stability and knowledge. So when we did our youth focus group, those are the things they asked for. And I was extremely surprised and very proud of our, our youth and our community that these are things that they're thinking about. They want to know, how do I write a resume? How do I do a job interview? You know, how do I balance my checkbook? Uh, you know, how, how do we do all these basic functions of really just being, you know, young adults? And, you know, we as um, leaders have to provide that um, structure for them to be able to feel like they're prepared because it, it is something that's been that's lacked for a, a long time and I don't think not just Antioch but I think just in um, our youth development all around the country yeah we're looking forward to that and um, wrapping up here getting close um, coming up next in the show I'm going to be speaking with Antioch City Council District 1 representative Timisha Walker who also spoke at the press conference that we heard from earlier about youth violence and gun violence Talk about why you feel um, to engage the youth with these programs that we've been speaking of is so critical in actually helping curb youth violence. Yeah, yeah. Well, homicide is the third leading cause of death in the U.S. So, I mean, that's very alarming. And, and really to combat youth violence in any community, we have to look at the evidence-based approaches to address the many factors that, in, that really impact the, 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 what's causing the youth violence. And as we do that, we also have to be able to provide alternatives for our youth. And these are those alternatives. This is that first kind of brick that we're laying as, you know, rather than getting into those factors that contribute to that, to that violence, 
come and, and, and we'll develop some programs, we'll welcome you in and find something that is constructive and positive for you to do as an individual, but also for our community. Because as we build these programs and as, as our youth continue to really engage with the community, that's what community is. You know, Antioch for a really long time has been a place where people come and lay their head and go somewhere else. And, you know, we want what we want to build is that if somebody has to leave Antioch, they're sad that they have to leave because that's their home and that this is where their community is. And with that, we have to invest in our youth. And this is kind of that, that little foundation that we're laying. And I'm really, really, really excited to be a part of it. <laughs> yeah, I'm so glad that you're here. And that's the voice of Marie Arce. She's the Parks and Recs, uh, Park and Recreation Chair. And how can people follow you and your work at Antioch Parks and Rec? Um, how can they keep an eye out for these programs, either to get their kids involved or maybe they want to get involved uh, themselves as a volunteer? How do yeah. they find you and keep an eye out? Yeah. How do you get me from <laughs> under my rock? Um, <laughs> so you can always go to my website at mariarce.com to see what's going on. Right now it is under construction. So the best way to find me is um, through Facebook. So my Facebook is Marie Arce for a better Antioch. And on Instagram, I am Marie Arce and the number four Antioch. And you could always email me at marie at mariearce.com. All right, Marie. Again, that's Marie Arce. She is the Parks and Recreation Chair. Thanks for speaking to us. Uh, thanks for speaking with us tonight <laughs> on Full Circle. Thank you so much. I'm happy to be here. I'm excited. Yeah, and just a reminder, everyone out there, we will of course post all the links um, to Marie on our website, kpfaapprentice.org, just after the show. All right. Thanks again for speaking with me tonight. Thank you so much for having me. Like creatine, I'm keeping peace and treating leaks. No one will breach this. Not with these. My cycle stated how I skated. Highest prop for the highest graded. Praise for days and break my laces. Switch tray flips to shake the Bay Bridge. Bombing hills by caution children. If you're building, start by chilling, cruising. So peep the stocks, keep loose trucks and bearings hot. Like these girls that give us props. Back in the 90s, probably not. Swarm with skill, I'm warned to stop. Go so fast, my speed is mocked, my speed is clocked. I weave in thought while leaving cops, forgive me not. I wear my shoes down to the socks. My foot is hot, my knees are shot. Time to bounce, the show won't stop. The place is popping, speakers knock. We hit the stage like cheetahs locked. On praying cage, then leave them shocked. Welcome back. This is Full Circle right here on 94.1 FM, KPFA, and kpfa.org. My name is Freewell and Franklin, and I am your host tonight. And that song you just heard was Shake the Bay Bridge by Audio Pharmacy. You can check out that video on our website, kpfaapprentice.org. And before that song, you heard my interview with Marie Arce, the Parks and Rec Commission Chair out here in Antioch. And she was speaking on youth programs that are coming up out here in Antioch, partially designed to help curb future gun violence. And coming up next to continue that conversation, someone else who was at the Youth Development Press Conference, and that person is Tamisha Torres Walker. Miss Walker is the Antioch City Council District 1 representative. Yes, my district, oh, I spoke with Tamisha yesterday about her personal experiences with gun violence and what she thinks of the plans Marie spoke of. Also, 
how she plans on supporting those ideas as an Antioch City Council member. Check out this interview with Tamisha Torres-Walker, City Council District 1 representative, and it will start with Tamisha speaking at the Youth Development Press Conference. Hello, Antioch. Uh, my name is Tamisha Torres-Walker, and I am City Council member representing District 1. I have continued to say that I've lived in this community for six years. When I first came to this community, the first experience I had was with gun violence. I immediately got out in the community, started to talk to faith leaders and organizations, local police departments, district attorney's office, and others to try to find out what were the efforts to curb gun violence in the city so that me and my sons could be safe walking to the store. Well, there were many efforts, but none were sustainable because the city lacked the political will and the investment of finances and intervention and prevention programs and projects that have been proven to curb gun violence. March 29th, I had a meeting with the police chief and the gang unit. And First Lady and Arthur, Denise Delahunt, to have a discussion about reducing gun violence. At this meeting on March 29th, I was informed by the police chief that the Antioch Police Department and Oakland Police Department launched a joint effort to crack down on gun violence and gangs in the city of Antioch. The press release April 15th was no surprise to me. In that meeting, I thanked the chief for those efforts and now my son could walk to the store safely. However, I informed the chief that we're not gonna arrest our way out of this problem and that we needed strong partnerships to prevent gun violence in our city. He agreed. Those on the gang unit task force also agreed that more partnerships are necessary because they can only do so much and they do a lot. I would also like to say that there have been at least 20 incidents involving firearms in this city since January. Two of those incidents were police-involved shootings. We need to curb gun violence in this city to make our community safe, not just for residents in District 1, but for residents all over Antioch. But not just gun violence. Violence in general is up in our communities since the pandemic. Suicides are up. Spousal abuse is up in our community. We need to establish a community violence prevention and intervention task force in this city to address violence in this city and particularly gun violence in this city. I hope that my colleagues on the city council will join me in the establishment of this of such a task force that will be led by community in partnership with experts from across the Bay Area and nationally who understand how to curb gun violence and in addition our police department who shows up after a harm has already been committed and is not equipped to curb violence but is only equipped to respond to violence. Thank you Mayor Thorpe for inviting me here to speak today and I'm looking forward to moving Antioch forward to be a safer Antioch for us all.
All right. I am now joined by Antioch City Council District 1 Representative Tamisha Torres-Walker. Welcome back to Full Circle and KPFA, Tamisha. Thank you, Frank and KPFA for having me back. Yes, yes. And as you know, tonight we've been talking about youth violence and gun violence and what we can do to prevent that. And I'd like, if you don't mind, to start off with some personal history of yourself, because I know you've shared numerous times that you have a personal relationship to gun violence. And do you mind sharing that, um, your story with our listeners? Yeah, I don't mind. I don't mind. I, um, well, I, I grew up in Richmond, um, Richmond, California, during a time where, you know, gun violence and gang violence was really, really high. And so I lost a lot of friends to gun violence, really close friends, which was devastating growing up as a a young person and a teenager. And, and then um, in my early 20s, I lost my brother to gun violence, my my little brother, uh, he had just turned 18. Uh, he was working his first job. Um, it was his first payday, and he bought lunch for everybody and was heading home so that he could get rest and do it all over again the next day. And unfortunately, he was killed on his way home. And that was really devastating for our family. And he wasn't involved in any street activity So it was really unexpected that he would succumb to that kind of violence. But it was one of the highest years of violence in the city, 2005. And so he became the 45th homicide that year. And, you know, our family took it really hard. It was hard to recover from. Um, We're still recovering from that loss today. But I've since then, you know, been able to dedicate a lot of my time to reducing that kind of violence. Yeah, I'm so sorry about your brother, and I'm glad you're turning into um, productive use, your experiences, though, and working um, to curb it actually out here in Antioch where we are now. So thank you for that. And also, you had an experience with gun violence when you first moved here to Antioch. Tell us briefly about what happened to you when you first moved into Antioch down here into District 1. Yeah, it could be. <laughs> I mean, uh, Gary and Cavallo, Cavallo, it, I mean, that neighborhood, it, it do seem pretty quiet on the, on the outskirts and it can be very deceiving, but, uh, I wasn't even here four months, um, in my um, new home with my family. It was less than four months and we had two various shootings, a lot of gun activity, um, at least three homicides. And it was very devastating because, after doing all of the work to reduce violence to a historical low um, in Richmond, which is still now historically low despite the uptick, it felt like I, I moved from one violent community to another and tried to get out there and see, you know, who was doing ceasefire, who was walking, who wanted to stop that kind of violence. And I ran into a couple people but overall, it didn't really seem sustainable without the community and local government buying in. And you mentioned one thing that you did do some work in Richmond, and that's one thing I hadn't talked about, though, is um, what did you do out in Richmond? What were you a part of that um, helped bring that record low? Yeah, I mean, it's a, it was a, a couple things, right, in Richmond. It wasn't just one initiative. It, it, it was a culmination of 
you know, people impacted by incarceration, organizing for strong, robust reentry services. It was um, youth serving organizations, advocating to increase services for young people. It was Tent City and the establishment of the Office of Neighborhood Safety, which is a city department solely dedicated to curbing gun violence and like targeting that population. And I think ceasefire was my first opportunity to work with local law enforcement and community to reduce violence. And that's when I really got to understand through the work of the Office of Neighborhood Safety as well as ceasefire the complications around intercommunity violence when it comes to, to, to gun related incidents in particular. Yeah. And ceasefire, um, was something that I was a part about here when they would do the marches, um, on Fridays. I unfortunately work on most Fridays, so I would have to take a day off, but I did get to march, um, down on Sycamore a couple of times, uh, when they did ceasefire. So I'd like to see those come back personally. I would love to see them come back as well. And um, so, as you mentioned here in Antioch, we had had we have had a recent uptick in the amount of gun violence, um, at least 20 incidents, including uh, two police shootings, also including a 12 year old girl who was shot and killed in her bedroom just in May and another young woman who was shot and killed in her front yard also in May. And a lot of people may have also heard about that 16 year old boy that was shot and killed in April. And these are only some of the incidents that have we have had in the last 12 to 18 months. We've also had the January 2020 incident with Jonathan Parker, who was only 16, and he was killed at one of our high school events. And I believe the kid who shot him was only 15 years old. Can you talk about how this has you feeling about our own city here in Antioch and about young people and just gun violence in general? Yeah, definitely. I think um, Antioch is unique in that um, Antioch has had years to prepare for this type of violence. There have been warnings from other cities like Oakland and Richmond um, saying to, you know, city leaders in Antioch, um, and to local law enforcement, you, you got something happening here, you know, you have a trend and you need to address it. And these are some of the strategies that work. And unfortunately, because our public safety model is solely based on policing, we thought that if we just hired enough police, we could prevent this type of violence when really it takes a lot more than police to curb this type of violence. And since we didn't prepare ourselves due to all those warnings, now we're seeing the buildup to that. So this didn't just happen overnight. Gun violence has been a thing in Antioch since I moved here. It's, it's just that we didn't handle it before it got too out of control. And so now we're seeing this. I will highlight that a landlord tenant dispute ended in somebody being shot. So it's not just youth gun violence, it's violence with firearms in general. And how and why do people feel like they need to use fire, a fire, like deadly force to handle disputes is really something we have to look into um, as a city for sure. There, There's no such thing as youth violence, black on black violence, white on white violence, like none of that is real. It's all community violence. And gun violence in particular is a type of violence you can't come back from 
similar to state sanctioned violence. Right. And so I think that's why gun violence is a major focus has been a major focus of mine because it's, um, I'm more tied to that violence, but we need to curb violence overall. I don't think we should say like youth violence because then we're stirring a narrative that our youth are inherently violent and they're not. They've just caught up in an environment that we haven't been able to control as community leaders and adults where they end up in these um, unfortunate incidents, whether they are a perpetrator or a victim. Yeah. And you mentioned in the little clip of the press conference that the um, violence has uh, increased during the pandemic itself and that we are not going to arrest our way out of this kind of situation now. And also, as you mentioned, gun violence is not new to our city here in Antioch. Tell us about what you're requesting and what the city council is doing to help curb gun violence. Also, I know you have heard my interview earlier with uh, Marie Arce, and you were at the press conference and also spoke. Um, what are you and the council doing to help move forward and promote those youth programs Marie spoke of? So I guess it's two questions. Yeah. What, what are you doing to um, curb gun violence as a city council? And then what are you doing to help? Um, youth programs. Yeah, the youth programs. Um, I think um, first around gun violence, I think I have you know, acts for the establishment of a violence prevention and intervention ad hoc um, committee where local government could come together with various stakeholders, community members, experts on violence prevention and intervention, especially gun violence, best practices around reducing gun violence, and, and being able to see, have a conversation as, and invite our police department to the table and say, what is the intervention and prevention, right? Like, how do we stop it or intervene before violence occurs in our community, especially gun violence? So that's one thing. And I, I, think, I think at one of the city council meetings, we did vote to um, look at the establishment of um, such an ad hoc committee. So I'm looking forward to being able to make that official here in the city so we could get the ball rolling on um, doing some research, some community engagement, and figuring out what's the best model for Antioch. Because what worked in Oakland and in Richmond and Stockton, you know, no program is perfect, right? We're, we're not going to end violence. I mean, we're, we're a violent society in America anyway. It's founded on violence, but what we what we can do is get out in front of violence and try to prevent as much of it as possible. So I'm hoping this ad hoc committee could add to some of that, as well as this off this establishment of this office of community resources and public safety potentially could also be something internal to the city that intentionally seeks out funding and different opportunities to put resources in the community because communities without resources and options leave people with nothing else to do it's kind of like you tell somebody well you have a choice but then you don't give them any options to choose from so we need to create some sort of system of support in public services that could really help people decide to make different choices which we don't really have here in the city right now and the reason why it's an office of resources and um, community resources and public safety is because we also need to reimagine public safety um, in Antioch public safety is not just police fire and and, and um, city services it is also these other things that help us like best practices around reducing gun violence that help us 
um, with public safety issues and environmental issues and all these other things. As far as youth programs, I mean, this, I'm is, in, uh, this is where Marie's programs yeah, come in, that we heard in earlier. Yeah, I'm in full support of youth programs. I mean, Young people are the next generation of leadership. I mean, they're going to inherit <laughs> inherit this community, this earth, this environment that we clearly aren't taking care of on a daily basis. So we have to make sure that they're healthy and prepared and that they get what they need. I actually had a focus group with a group of um, youth from Antioch, um, from, the, from the city of Antioch, about a month ago and it was it was a um a group of young people who talked about their experience in Antioch schools um Brentwood schools what their experience is in the community and what they want to see and for the most part they talked about you know racial equity and youth programs and somewhere a space for youth to go to feel like it's youth centered that they can go and feel safe and be creative like a actual youth center not a community center but a youth center and they talked about mental health services like real intentional mental health services that they want in the city not just crisis intervention because by the time you're in crisis it's too late they want real options for themselves that's affordable um, for them to seek help because a lot there's a lot of depression in our young people in this city and they're crying out for support so we need to focus on that but I also accept all like want to figure out how to support Marie and all of those programs at Parks and Recs and how we do those how we get a boys and girls club here to the city just all of that I do want to flag that there is a population of young people that are not in these focus groups there's a population of young people that aren't taking these surveys. And there's a population of young people that are not being deeply engaged by AUSD and not even our Parks and Recs Commission because they're the most hard to reach population, the very population that we need to provide services to to curb violence. And I hope pretty soon we start to talk about what does it take to get those young people in the room so that we can provide them options so they can make different choices. Yeah, and I believe Marie spoke about that in um, our conversation that it was only a small um, group of people that they're serving in. They're looking um, to have a wider, uh, more inclusive survey. Yes, very important. And um, before we go, I know you have looked into this and have researched this topic, and I wanted to get your opinion on everything we've been talking about and why it's so important to intervene and give young people something to do that's constructive, that's educational, that's for them and may actually be fun. You know, um, why is this so important to just intervene while we can, you know, you can save a lot of lives if you choose to, to intervene and prevent violence rather than respond to violence. And like I said, I don't want to say youth violence because I don't, again, I want to reiterate that I don't want to spin a narrative that we have young, our young people are inherently violent. They are not. They are being raised in a violent environment. And as a result, violence becomes the answer to every, to, to every conflict. And so we have a lot, we have a lot to do as adults and leaders in the city um, to have, yes, have conversations with young people, but also make sure we're clear on our role of like, 
how do we reduce violence overall in our community? And how do we do intervention and prevention strategies that give young people options to choose something other than violence? Again, that's the voice of my second special guest tonight, Antioch District 1 City Council Representative, Tamisha Torres-Walker. Thanks for joining us again tonight on Full Circle. Tamisha, it's been great uh, speaking with you. And it's exciting, like it was with Marie, to learn about like what we're moving forward with and trying to do for our young people. And also, as you mentioned, um, just violence in general to curb violence in general. So I'm excited that you're you're working on this. Yeah, I'm excited, too. I'm like thinking about all of these things. And it's like I only have two years, so I probably need another four years That's right. to really make something happen in the city. So, I mean, I do want to say, you know, go to, you know, go to our Facebook page, Tamisha for Antioch. Um, we do tea times this Friday. Tomorrow at 10 a.m. we'll have another tea time so we can begin to talk about community issues. So if you tap into the Facebook page, on Fridays at 10 a.m. is where you can catch me talking about issues in Antioch and how we move Antioch forward. And we'll definitely post a link uh, to Tamisha's Facebook on our website, kpfaapprentice.org. Thanks again, Tamisha, for joining us tonight. Thank you. And real quick, just an announcement before I say goodbye to you all, and that is that this Saturday, June 5th, here in Antioch is the second annual March Against youth gun violence here in Antioch. This is in honor of the late Jonathan Dwayne Parker. Um, participants will meet at 5 p.m. in the parking lot of Antioch City Sports on Lone Tree Way and will walk to Deer Valley High School, the very location where Jonathan fell victim to gun violence. Again, that's this Saturday, 5 p.m., meeting at the parking lot of the Antioch City Sports on Lone Tree Way. That's 5001 Lone Tree Way. And again, thank you, Tamisha, for joining us tonight on Full Circle. We appreciate you taking the time for us. Thank you. And that brings us to the end of tonight's show. Remember to check out our website, kpfaapprentice.org, just after the show for all the links and information related to tonight's show. Shout out to my special guest tonight, Antioch Parks and Rec Commission Chair Marie Arce and Antioch City Council District 1 Representative Tamisha Torres-Walker. And one final shout out for the Full Circle crew. The executive producer is Miss M. Joy Moore is our production consultant. And myself, Freewell Franklin. I am the technical director for this show, Full Circle. And I have also been your host tonight. Thanks for listening, everyone. And remember, while you're out there, please protect your health and also your humanity. And stay tuned to KPFA. Up next is Londa Bajita. Good night, everyone.